Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Well, here we go. It's week four of our study through the book of Joshua that we're calling Living for a Legacy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter one, starting in verse 10, where the sermon today is called Be Bold. Now, I want you to think while you're finding your place, what are two things that on their own are pretty good, maybe okay, but when you put them together, oh, it's just better together. What are two things? How about this one? My favorite is peanut butter and chocolate, okay? I mean, I love me some peanut butter and chocolate, but you put them together, oh, it's like a hallelujah in your mouth, amen? It is so good. How about this one? Uh, Sony and Marvel, put them together, we get Spider-Man Far From Home with the MCU universe. Come on, I know I got some nerds in the room right here. What are some things that are just better together? I mean, pizza and ranch. I cannot eat pizza unless I also have ranch. Or, or, or boudin. Who loves boudin? We got some boudin. Okay, good, good, good. Um, if you don't, then we're going to kick you out of Southeast Texas. Okay, who, who else loves kolaches? Okay, boudin, kolaches. Mind-blowing, okay? There's just some things that they're good by themselves, but they are better together. That's exactly what we're going to see today in Joshua chapter 1 as we look at this sermon called Be Bold. Now, I want to I just put this in front of you. Here's a little thought that's going to drive the day, okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. Strength plus courage equals boldness. If you want to be bold, two things you need. You need strength and you need courage. Over the last several weeks in the study through Joshua, we've been looking at this verse in Joshua 1.9, and God repeats himself over and over again. And what does he say? Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. It's one of the most famous Bible verses that there are. I'm sure that some of you probably have it on a coffee mug, a t-shirt, or maybe even your Instagram bio. Be strong and courageous. But that's what it takes in order for us to be bold. Boldness is strength plus courage in a believer's life. And this is what God has told Joshua countless times, to be strong and to be courageous. And it's good for us to be strong. Last week, the entire sermon was over about how we develop spiritual strength, that we need to be strong. But strength by itself, without courage applied to your life, isn't going to lead you into the bold life that God has for you. And so as a church, we need to be bold. And if you're new, you might have noticed when you walked into the lobby, what it, what, what's on the wall, what's on the signage, everywhere you look, what does it say? It says, be bold. You wonder, why does this church want me to be bold. Here's the reason why. It's because we are in a building campaign as a church that is actually called Be Bold. For those of you who are new, this is the best time for you to get connected here in the life of the church. This is why you should go to Next Steps after service, not just because we're going to feed you and watch your kids, but we're going to cast a vision that I believe that you want to be a part of because God's doing some amazing things in the church. Just like Joshua was going to go and take the land, just as Joshua 
was going to walk across the River Jordan, just as Joshua is going to inherit the promised land, and he was going to live in the blessings of God. God is calling us as a church to move into new territories, to take new land, to step into the new normal, and then not to settle for what God has done in the past, but to believe for us that the best is yet to come. And so we're going to be buying a new building as a church. And we're going to be buying this new building, and we're going to be renovating it. And it's not just any building, but it's the building we're in. It's actually the whole entire block that our church is on currently. 20,000 square foot, raising the funds, buying this building, renovating it, rehabbing it, taking out our childhood trauma on some sheetrock with a sledgehammer, renovating this building to where we believe that whenever, whenever we open up, there's going to be more people who meet Jesus than ever before, that we are going to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of this city where every man, woman, and child experiences life change through Jesus. But in order for us to do that, it requires us to be bold. If we want to raise the money, it requires us to be bold. If we want to renovate the building, it requires us to be bold. If we want to see our friends and family members, our neighbors, people that we know and love who want to come and know and love Jesus, it requires us to be bold. If we want to see more people be baptized, more missionaries be sent out, more churches be planted through the church multiplication network, if we want to send out more missionaries both locally and globally, if we want to see more marriages be reconciled, if we want to see more relationships be restored, if we want to see more people be physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally healed by the divine healing of Jesus Christ, if we want to see these things take place, it requires us as a church to be strong and to be courageous. It takes us being bold. So who wants to be bold? Who wants to be strong? Who wants to be courageous? Who wants to be bold? Okay, these people have the faith today. I'm going to go and preach this way, all right? Who wants to be bold today? There's my bold people. All right, well, you're in good company because that's exactly what we're talking about today. It's amazing that when you show up and you're like, who wants to do this? And you're like, I do. Me, I want to be bold. Crazy, because I'm preaching on it today. You are in the right place. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Strength plus boldness, or strength plus courage equals boldness. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read it all up front, and then we're going to unpack it on the back end. Here's how we read. A lot of Bible today. You love the Bible, right? Okay, we're going to read a lot of Bible. It's going to take me like two minutes to read the Bible, but you're in church, and that's what you get. So, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command this people, prepare your provisions for within three days you're going to pass over this Jordan and you're going to go take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and he will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock, they're going to remain back here in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all you men of valor among you, you will pass over armed before your brothers and you shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also will take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land 
of your possession, and you shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua. So Joshua is telling them what God has called them to do, and now the people are responding back to Joshua, and they say, all that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all, so we also will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandments and disobeys your words, whatever you commanded him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now, after this sermon, the series is going to pick up pretty fast. We've spent the first four weeks just going verse by verse through Joshua chapter one. After this week, the remainder of the sermons are going to be an entire chapter per week because we're going to pick it up a little fast. But I wanted to go slow here at the very beginning because I wanted to lay this as a foundation to drive this deep down in our hearts that every single one of us has a legacy inside of us. A legacy is something that is passed down from one generation to the next. So Joshua, he receives his legacy from Moses. Moses passes it down to Joshua, and then Joshua passes it down to his people. Every single one of you, you have a legacy inside of you. But here's what's so critical for us to understand, is that legacy ain't easy. Right? If legacy was easy, then everybody would have one. Here's what I discovered, is that everybody wants one, but not everybody's willing to work for one. People sometimes just think, well, if God is sovereign, then everything is just going to happen. But that's not actually true. God is inviting us into a partnership with him. God's saying, I'm going to give you this land, but you have to conquer the land. I'm going to make a way for you, but you have to walk in faith with me. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen automatically. And legacy isn't even a guarantee. It's going to take us partnering with God, being obedient to God, walking in the will and the words of God for our life. And that's why God starts with Joshua. He says, Joshua, you have a promise Joshua, there is an inheritance. Joshua, I have a plan and a purpose. I want good and great things for your life, but it starts here. Be strong and courageous, because if Joshua's not strong, he's not going to take the land. If Joshua's not courageous, he's not going to conquer the seven nations that are ten times their size. And if Joshua doesn't have strength plus courage, he's not going to be bold enough to put his foot in the River Jordan. He's not going to be bold enough to walk around the walls of Jericho. He's not going to be bold enough to confront Ai on his sin. He's not going to be bold enough to circumcise the entire nation a second time. It requires a boldness in order for Joshua to do what he wants to do, strength plus courage. And so Moses tells Joshua, Deuteronomy 31, be, be strong, be courageous. God comes to him and he says, be strong and courageous. So much so that by the time we get to the end of chapter 1, verse 18, what are the people repeating? What are the people saying back to him? What do they say? They say, be strong and courageous. And here's the lesson that I want you to see is that everything rises and falls on leadership. It starts with Joshua. It starts in the heart of the leader. Because if Joshua's not strong, his people won't be strong. 
If Joshua's not courageous, his people won't be courageous. And if Joshua's not bold, then his people will not be bold. It all starts in the heart of the leader. And for the first chapter, God's speaking to the heart of Joshua. Joshua, decide today, determine today, become the man that I've created you to be. Be strong and courageous because everything rises and falls on leadership. Now listen, I am not some leadership guru. Right? I'm not John Maxwell. I'm not Gary Vee. Right? This is a sermon. This is not a TED Talk. I'm not, I'm not really that big into to, to leadership in that way. But I do know that this is true, that it's true, that it's true, that everything rises and falls on leadership. I'll just, I'll just give you an example. 57% of people when surveyed have quit a job because of a bad boss. How many of you have ever quit a job because you had a bad boss? Just look around the room. That's a lot of you, Right? Right, you're like, it doesn't matter how much you pay me. It doesn't matter the headache and the, and the anxiety and the stress that I have to go through. And eventually, you just get to a place where you're just like, enough is enough, and you don't pay me enough, and I'm not taking this job. Right? And, and because when you're working in a job with a bad leader, what, what does it do? It affects your home life. It affects your marriage, it affects your children, it affects your physical health, your mental health, and it's detrimental to the rest of your life because you're under bad leadership. But how many of you ever have stayed at a job because you believed in the leadership? Maybe the company was struggling, maybe there was a team that wasn't doing very well, but you believed in the leader, and so you stuck it out, you, you, you grinded it out because you believed in not only the person you were following, but the vision that you were a part of. Because bad leadership is detrimental to the health of the people who are under them, but good leadership, it builds them up, it makes them strong, and it helps them accomplish their goals. It's the same way in our lives as well. Everything rises and falls on leaders. And so Joshua is the leader of the nation. He has to be strong and courageous because if he's not strong and he's not courageous, then his people are going to be fearful and cowards. And so it starts in the hearts of Joshua. And right now, some of you may be thinking, you're like, Byron, that's great and wonderful, but I'm not a leader, so this doesn't apply to me. Don't sell yourself so short. Because the truth is, is every single one of us, we are a leader in some area of your life. This is what I teach our team all the time, is that leadership is nothing more than influence. If you have influence in someone else's life, congratulations, you are a leader. If people call you when they're going through a hard time, you know why? Because they see leadership qualities inside of you. If people come to you whenever, whenever something bad goes wrong at work and they're gossiping and complaining, you know why they do that? For two reasons. Either one, you're a bad leader, or two, you're a good leader and you can help them through it. Everything rises and falls. As parents, you are the leader of your children. The decisions you make determine the quality of their future today. You're leaders, husbands and wives. You are co-leaders in that home, and so you need to pastor your home in such a way because you are leaders. At your job or your vocation or your workplace, you are a leader because you have influence. You can lead up, you can lead down, and you could be a good leader, you could be a bad leader. But every single one of you in college, at your dorm, your roommates, the people who you hang out with, with your extracurricular activities, you have influence, which makes you a leader. High school kids, you are a leader because the way that you live your life can influence in a positive or a negative way the peers that are around you. Every single one of you, you are a leader in some area of your life. And the lesson that we learned from Joshua is that everything rises and falls on leaders. If the leader is strong, the people will be strong. If the leader is courageous, the people will be courageous. 
Listen, whenever, whenever I am not strong, practicing my spiritual disciplines, praying, reading my Bible, being emotionally available towards my wife, guess what? My wife suffers. If I'm, not, if I'm not building that relationship, then my children begin to suffer. And when the children suffers, my character suffers. And when me, as a leader, my character suffers, guess what? Our staff suffers, the team suffer, you suffer, the church suffers, the kingdom of God suffers, the mission of God suffers, the testimony and witness of the gospel begins to suffer. Why? Because everything rises and falls on leadership. You and your choices, they matter. And it's not just your life and the decisions that you make that only affect you, but they affect People that are around you, that count on you, and depend on you. This is the reason why it starts with strength. It starts with courage. It starts with boldness. So let me ask you again, for the sake of your family, are you willing to be bold? For the sake of your children, are you willing to be bold? For the sake of the gospel, are you willing to be bold? For the sake of others, for the sake of the church, for the sake of your future, for the sake of your legacy, are you willing to be strong, courageous, and to be bold? This is the faith side now. <laughs> yes! Well, again, good luck. We're going to show you how to do it. First thing is this. If you want to be bold, three B's for boldness. The first thing is, is you need to be strong in your convictions. If you don't know what you believe, then it's not that you don't believe anything. It's that you might end up believing everything. Right? If nothing matters to you, then nothing matters. You have to figure out what it is that you believe in your heart of hearts is true, that is true, that is true. Every man be a liar, but God be true. What do you believe? Here's what Joshua says. Let's read it here. Joshua commanded the officers of the people. Now, notice this. He's not taking a committee. He, he's not scrolling through Twitter to see what culture believes or what other people believe. He, he's not bringing everybody together to cast a vote. And he's not just saying like, well, what do you think is the best thing for us to do? That's not what he does. He has a conviction which leads him to be able to command. So he commands his people and he says, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for three days. We're about to pass over and take this possession of the land. Pass over the Jordan that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses the servant, the Lord commanded you, saying the Lord is going to provide you a place of rest and he will give you this land. I want you to just read the statements that Joshua is making. He's saying God is going to give us this land. You are going to take possession of this land. Now pack up your stuff because we are going to go through the camp and we are going to conquer and we're going to do the things that God has told us to do. This is a command. You notice that there's not a question mark in that statement. Why? Because he doesn't question what God has called him to do. He has a strong conviction that guides his life. So when he goes into the Jordan River, he puts his foot in the Jordan. He says, God told me to do this, and so I'm walking by faith in that. When he goes up to the walls of Jericho, what you see is there is a conviction that God is going before us, and he is going to make this possible. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. This is what my convictions are. And as he lives his life with these great convictions, he's able to see what God had promised that he would do. And here's what something we all need to understand is this is that our beliefs, they drive our behaviors. 
okay, what you believe to be true will be played out in the way that you act and the way that you behave. What you believe drives your behaviors. If you believe that God is for you, you're going to live your life like God is for you. If you believe that God wants good for you, then you're going to live your life like God wants good for you. If you believe that God's word is true, then you're going to live that out in your daily decisions and in your lives because your beliefs drive your behaviors. This is true in, in, in every area. So let's think about it like this. If you believe that, that it's, it's, it's important for you to live a healthy life, then guess what? You are going to live a healthy lifestyle. So if you believe that health is important to you, then you're going to run or exercise, you're going to eat well, you're going to work out because that's a value that you have and that eventually becomes a vision for your life. It's the same with, say, education. If you value education, then you're not just going to spend eight hours a day on your phone and watch Netflix. No, you're going to buy a book and you're going to read it. You're going to carve out time to make time to invest in yourself. Why? Because you value it and all of a sudden it becomes a part of your vision. What you believe determines how you behave. But in a negative sense, this is something that happened to me. I remember when I was in 10th grade at Little Cypress Murraysville High School, and I was in algebra class, and I struggled with math, and my teacher called me up to do an equation on the board, and she called me stupid in front of the entire class. And from that day on, I gave up. I was like, you know what? I'm dumb. I'm stupid. And I just believed that. And so I went to college. I flunked out of college twice. That's why I became a pastor. So, uh, <laughs> because I told, I said, I, I'm dumb. I can't pass math. I failed college algebra two times, and I just dropped out of college altogether. Well, I went back to school when I was 30, and I determined, you know what? I'm bad at math. I'm not good at math. And so I put off my, my, my math classes. And then I took that math class, and I changed the way that I believed about myself, and I made an A in that math class. Why? Because my beliefs determined my behaviors. When I changed my beliefs, it changed the behaviors that I have. But this is same true for us spiritually. Like, if you believe that God answers prayers, then you're going to be a person who loves to pray. And if you don't love to pray, it's probably because you don't really believe that God's good and wants to answer your prayers. If you believe that God's word is true, then you're going to read your Bible and apply it to your life. But if you find yourself not reading your Bible, the problem isn't because you don't have enough time. It's not a time issue. It's a heart issue. So if you don't like your behaviors, don't sit there and try to change your behaviors through willpower. Change your beliefs through God's strength and power in your life. I mean, Jesus even says it like this, if you love me, then you will keep my commands. And so if you're not keeping God's commands, then you have to question whether or not you truly, really love God. Yeah. If you don't like the behaviors in your life, you need to reanalyze the beliefs that you have. This is what conviction means. You live a life out of your conviction. So what are convictions that you have? See, a lot of people don't have convictions. That's why they live compromise. That's why they make compromise, because they don't have convictions. They don't really know what they believe, and so they believe anything. Right? The Bible talks about this. Do not be swept away by every to and fro and wind and wave of doctrine, as some have. Why? Because they don't know what they believe, so they get swept away, and they believe anything because they don't have convictions, and so they begin to live their life with compromise. But not everything is a conviction, though. So if, like, everything's a conviction in your life, great, you're probably just, like, judgmental. <laughs> Because you're trying to control how other people live their lives. Not everything's a conviction. There's some things that are open-handed and there's some things that are, are close-handed. Right? So some people, you know, they, I, 
they just have preferences. And your preferences are great. They're fine. They're cool. But don't try to apply your preferences to other people's lives. So like some of you, you enjoy country music. Okay, cool. That's on you. Not me. That's not for me. Like I just don't like country music, okay? But that's my preference. I'm not going to tell you I'm better than you, which I am, but I mean, no. <laughs> but that's just my, that's my preference. I wear the same clothes every single day. You might be wondering, didn't he wear that last week? And for the last five years, I have. I value simplicity. It's something that I, I appreciate, something I enjoy. But I would, I'm not going to say, we all need to start dressing like cartoon characters and wear the same clothes every day for the rest of our lives. Like, it doesn't bother me because like, that's a preference. Like, there's different things that we can have preferences for, but you have to determine what hill am I willing to die on? What battle am I willing to face? What am I, come hell or high water, consequences be damned, I am not giving up on this because this is what I believe, and my heart of my heart is true because this is a conviction that I have. What are your convictions? Here's a few of my convictions. The, The first thing that I'm convinced of is that prayer unlocks the power of God. If you don't pray, don't expect anything from God. People who pray receive from God. People who don't won't, straight up. That's just how it is. Ask and you shall receive. If you don't ask, you don't receive. Prayer is what unlocks the power of God in your life and in the life of the church. I believe we should pray big prayers because big prayers honor our God. And our God honors big prayers. This is why First Wednesday prayer night is the most important gathering in our church. If you can only make one service a month, make it First Wednesday prayer night. Because it sets the trajectory of where we're going as a church. The church prays, God does amazing things because it's prayer that unlocks the power of God in our lives. Your life is only limited by the size of your prayers. If you want to see God do something, pray. The second thing I believe wholeheartedly is that God's word is what brings growth. The church doesn't grow because of my intellect. The church doesn't grow because of my preaching. The church doesn't just grow because I am my, my two cents on current events and felt needs and topics. You don't just need to hear my opinion. What you need to hear is God's word spoken over you because God's word brings the growth. It's the word of God rightly divided through the Holy Spirit and applied to people's lives that transforms us and changes us. We are transformed by the enduring word of God. And that's why every single Sunday when you come to redemption, here's what you get. Open up your Bibles to the book of whatever it is, because that's what we're doing. That's why we spent three years studying the book of Mark. That's why we're in Joshua right now. At the beginning of 2022, I have a couple of other sermon series. We're going to start with a series through the book of Haggai called First Things First. We're going to do the book of Colossians called Everyday Saints. I have a series through First and Second Kings in my pocket called How to Ruin Your Life. And on First Wednesdays through all, 22, all of 2022, we're going to be doing the book of Psalms every single First Wednesday. Why? Because it's God's word that brings the growth. So if you're looking for a church that preaches the Bible, that's pretty much all that I do. The the third thing is this, is you can't outgive God. I know this to be true. For almost 15 years, I have been tithing every single week. And it's true that it's true that it's true that you can't outgive God. 10% first and best goes to the Lord. That is obedience. God says it belongs to him. You, can, you can't give the tithe. You can only return the tithe because it belongs to him. 
I believe this truly. And then anything that you give above and beyond, that's where generosity kicks in. And what the, book, the Bible tells us is this, is that the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who gathered much had little left over, but the one who gave had more than enough because you can't outgive God. If you don't believe me, I dare you to try. I'll dare you to try. I got a book outside. I'll give you that book. If you don't believe that God will bless you through your generosity, I will challenge you to a 90-day tithe challenge. And at the end of the 90 days, if you can tell me straight up that God didn't do one thing in my life, that my marriage isn't better, my relationships aren't healthier, that God has not blessed me, and that I'm not more joyful and excited, then I'll give you your money back. That's how much I believe in it. Because I am convinced by this. Malachi says, put me to the test. You don't believe that God's generous? Put him to the test. You cannot give God. Number four, marriage is my most important ministry. If I can't lead my family, I have no business leading the church. If my wife and kids aren't healthy, happy, whole, and flourishing, then I can't expect the same to happen in the life of the church as well. Marriage is my most important ministry. One of the things that haunts me every single week, and I, I think about this all the time, what does it profit a man to gain a mega church and to lose his ministry? Sadly, many churches and leaderships and the, 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 the way that ministry is set up today is that pastors and church leaders, oftentimes, they lay their family at the altar of growth. And I just won't do it. That's why, that's why Ashley has veto power over anything that I do, right? I, I, don't, I don't travel alone. So I'm going to go preach at a conference in New York next week. You know what? One of our staff members is going to go with me. Ethan is a male staff member because <laughs> that would be weird if I just traveled with some of the female staff members because marriage is my most important ministry. So I always bring somebody with me when I travel because I never want to travel alone because I always want to live under accountability in that way. An elder should be above reproach. Nothing should stick. And so she has veto power. So I have to give up some conferences and some training. Why? Because Ashley says, I need you here at home. And home team is the most important team. And marriage is my most important ministry. A lot of you guys, maybe you'll come to this church for three years. Maybe you'll be here for five years. Maybe some of you will be for 10 years. But eventually one day you're going to leave the church. But if Ashley leaves me, then the whole church is done. Okay, so she comes first. That, that's just how I roll. That's, that's just a conviction that I have. The fifth thing I believe is this, is that church is essential. It's not optional. Yeah. Right? If you think that church is optional, it's just something you add to your life, don't be surprised when your kids don't think it's important for them. Because you're teaching your kids today as parents, if church is optional to you in the next 10 years, they're going to find it irrelevant for their lives. Church is not optional. It's an essential thing. The Bible says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do not forsake the assembling together, the gathering together of yourself to stir one another up for love and for good deeds. Anytime the church is open, God's presence and God's people should be colliding in this sanctuary, lifting your hands, worshiping, growing, and becoming strong and courageous together. These are things that I believe. I, I mean, I have more, but I don't have enough time to go in and explain all these different things that, that I value. Another thing that I would value is this, is that every single person is made in the image and likeness of God, and they're worthy of dignity and respect, and they should be treated as such. I just, I just believe that, because I don't care what you believe, but hopefully my behaviors could change your beliefs. So I'm going to love you. 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to look you in the eye, call you by your name, shake your hand, and smile. Because maybe, maybe your beliefs don't line up with my beliefs. That's fine. But if my behaviors could cause you to question your beliefs, then maybe your beliefs might change as well. Because our beliefs drive our behaviors. It's true. So what are your convictions? What's something that you know that you know that you know is true? Because I can guarantee you if you sat down and you were to look at your life there is a belief that is driving the decisions that you make. And if you don't like the decisions you're making, you need to reconsider what you truly and really believe. Joshua says, we're taking this land. God is for me, and now I'm gonna walk it out. The, the second thing is this. We gotta be encouraging in our conversations. Look how this works. That word encourage literally means to put courage in another person. Here's what it means. It says this. It says, you and your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. And they also were to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving to them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. And the land that Moses, the servant, the Lord gave to you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. Do you see what he's doing here? He's putting courage in his people. Your words have the ability to either build people up or tear them down. Your words have the ability to either give faith or to rob faith from others. Your words and what you speak, the words that you say, have the ability to be able to give someone the strength and the courage needed to fight another day. So you need to watch and be careful with your words. Proverbs says it like this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so you need to choose the words that you use very carefully. Joshua here, he's encouraging his men. Why? Why would he need to encourage them? Because they were afraid. They were afraid. I mean, they're about to go fight a seven-nation army. We're in chapter 1. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're not soldiers. They're sojourners. They're shepherds. And now they got to go and fight giants? Seven nations, a city fortified. They don't, even have, they don't even have buildings. They're living out of tents. And now they got to go fight this battle? They were scared. I mean, look what he says. You're leaving your wife and kids behind. You could lose your life. Your wife and kids are staying here. Come on, guys, let's go. And so they were nervous, and they were anxious, and they were afraid. And you know what he does in that moment? He speaks life into them. Listen to what he says here. Look at this word. One word changes everything for these men. He, he calls them this. He says, you are men of valor. Amen. I know you don't feel it, but you are. I know you don't see it but I see it in you. You are a man of valor. And that one word gives them the strength and the courage to fight their battle. Listen, you never know the fight that somebody else is facing. Every single one of us, what I know to be true is this, is we've all been in a battle. Some of y'all are in a battle or you're about to be in a battle. But every single one of us, there is a fight that is happening inside of us. And you never know the fight 
that somebody else is facing. This is why you need to choose your words very carefully when you're speaking to people. You need to build people up, not tear them down. You got to watch what you say. Are you the type of person who speaks faith to another person's life? Are you the type of person who speaks existence and calls things as they are not? Is that who you are? I know your marriage is struggling, but I believe that God has something for you. I know that you're sick, but I believe that God is going to bring peace into your life. I know that life is hard, but I believe that God wants good for you. Are you the type of person or the type of person that says, man, that's really terrible. I just, I just, I don't know how you do it. I just might as well just give up. Like, like, because, because your words, that person's hanging on those words and you can either give them hope or you can rob them of the victory that God wants to give them. Every person is in a fight and we don't know what says it. Now, some of you, you're just prone to dis- discouragement. So you're like, I, I'm not a discouraging person. How about you do this? Go ask the three people closest to you, am I discouraging? They'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm not discouraging. I'm just, I'm just a realist. Okay, you're really annoying. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real with you. You're really annoying. You're like, I, I just play the devil's advocate. Listen, Satan's doing a good enough job beating people up. He doesn't need your help, all right? So if you're running around being on Satan's team, I'd have to wonder, is that really the team that you want to be on? We got to speak faith in people's lives, hope in people's lives, encouragement. Put courage in other people because you don't know what they're facing. This is what I do to you every Sunday. Every Sunday when you walk in, I know that life has been hard. I know that you had a difficult week. I know because I had one too. I know that you probably got in a fight with your spouse. I know that you probably ignored your kids and ran and hid from them and locked yourself in the bathroom and they still found their way in there. I know it because that's my life too. I know you had a hard week. I know that you sinned and fell and you made mistakes this week, but you know what I don't do? When you walk through those doors, I don't tell you all the nasty, horrible, terrible things that you've done wrong. No, I tell you who you can become. I tell you what God has created you to be. I want to pull out the gold that is inside of every one of you. What I want to do is I never want to use the Bible to beat people up. I don't want to be a bully with the Bible. I want to build you up. I want to put hope in your heart. I want to put courage in your chest. I want to put strength in your bones, steel in your spine, pep in your step, and I want to put praise in your mouth. That's what I want to do because I want you to be strong. He says, you are a man of valor. Listen, you are not weak. You wouldn't be here if you were because you're here to get strength. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You are strong. You are not a coward. You are courageous. The Bible says that you are. That's God's word over your life. I want to speak life into you, that you were made in the image of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a man of valor. You are a woman of valor. You were made for a purpose, on a purpose, and God has a purpose over your life. If God be for you, who be against you? You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, and he who began a good work in you will see that work to completion. That's who you are. I want you to keep swinging. You never know the fight that somebody else is facing, so speak life over them. This is my story. Six years ago when me and Ashley moved back to to Beaumont, 
We were so discouraged after years of ministry and planting churches, but we felt like God had one more church inside of us. And so I met with the Assemblies of God Presbyter. His name's Donnie Flippo. I sat with him and I said, Pastor Donnie, here's my heart. Here's what I believe God's leading us to. We want to start a new church for Beaumont, but I'm so tired. I'm so discouraged. I just don't think we can do it. And he said, Byron, I want to share something with you. He said, we just left a presbytery meeting and we have been praying for a, a young couple who would be willing to start a new church in downtown Beaumont and we believe that person is you and you're an answer to my prayers. And he looked at me and he said, I know you're tired, but I believe in you. And with that word, my entire life changed forever because somebody believed in me. Redemption is here today because one man believed in me. It changed everything in my life. Your words are so powerful because you never know the fight someone else is facing. This week, have an encouraging conversation with somebody you love because their life may depend on it. And the last thing is this, number three is, if we want to be bold, not only do you need to be strong in your convictions, encouraging in your conversations, but you got to be bold in your commitments. Strength plus courage equals boldness. So after all of this, Joshua speaking, conviction, courage, his people respond to him now, and here's what they say. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us to do, we will do it. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses, we're going to obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobey your words, whatever you commanded him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. After this week, we're going to move pretty fast, but I, I wanted to start right here. Because legacy doesn't happen by accident. It comes with commitment. A lot of people want one, but they're not willing willing to commit to things. Joshua, he has to commit. He has to make a commitment before the Lord. I'm going to be strong and courageous. And then Joshua, he has to make a commitment to his people. Because if Joshua is not strong, his people won't be strong. And so he goes to his people and says, I'm going to be strong, but I need you to be strong too. And then the people respond back. They say, Joshua, we're going to follow you. We're going to commit to you. And we're going to be strong and courageous right there with you. And they made a commitment in chapter one to be bold. And here's what I want to spend these four weeks diving into this first. Because it's better for you to decide today to be bold than when you're in the middle of your battle. Everybody's in a battle going to be one or just got out of one. And it will go a lot better for you if you decide to be bold today. Before the battle even begins. Commit to serving the Lord. Commit to following Jesus. Commit this day. I decide I will be strong. I decide I will be courageous. I decide this day I'm going to be bold because the battle's coming. But right now, I decided today I'm going to be bold before the battle even begins. Because it starts with your beliefs and it works itself out through your life and the behaviors that you have. Decide today, commit 
to be bold. And so Joshua, because they make this commitment in their hearts, they're able to walk through the River Jordan. They're able to see the walls fall down. They're able to see the battle of Ai. They're able to overcome the defeat and move forward into victory and to inherit the land and to receive the promise. How do they do that? Because back in chapter one, they decided, I'm gonna be bold. And redemption right now, we're in a Joshua one moment for us as a church. That new building is maybe a year away from us, but the way we live today determines the type of church we'll be when we get there. The decisions we make in this room right now are gonna impact legacies, generations that follow after us. And so we have to decide as a church today, we're gonna be bold. And Joshua had to commit to the Lord. He had to commit to his people and the people had to commit to Joshua. That means us as a church, we have to commit to one another because we can't do it alone. Joshua couldn't take the land by himself, but Joshua plus the nation equals a legacy. I can't lead this church by myself. That's why I need you. That's why God sent you here. That's why you're in the room because God saw something in you and he said, this congregation needs that. Me alone can't do it, but together we can. Strength plus courage equals boldness. You plus me equals the church. We must commit to one another. So here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna close with giving you five commitments that we've been making over this Be Bold Giving Pledge. And the first is this, is be bold with your prayers. Would you commit to praying 10 minutes every day for your church? Would you say, God, when I wake up in the morning, walking my dog, on my commute to work, whatever it is, I'm gonna commit to praying for redemption for 10 minutes. Number two, would you commit to serving? The church is not built on the talents of the few, but on the sacrifice of the many. It takes all of us working together. It takes us serving. Would you commit to serving? If you wanna join us at Next Steps, it's immediately following this. We're gonna give you some pizza and we're gonna help you find your purpose. It's good. Amen. Number three, would you commit to being bold in your giving? I believe that 10% is the standard. It's just tithe. And so to give less than the tithe is not to be bold. Bold giving is for above and beyond the tithe. And so if you, if you haven't yet started tithing, I want you to start there. Just start with tithing. Trust God with that. But if you have been tithing for a while, I wanna see you take it to the next level with above and beyond giving to be bold. And so in your seat, there's a bold giving pledge. Would you fill this out, pray over it this week and say, God, how much would you have me to give? And I wanna let you know that everything rises and falls on leadership. And so your leaders here at the church, they tithe and they give to the be bold. And so just as Joshua had to go before his men and I said, I'm gonna be strong and courageous. I just think it's good for you to know that me and Ashley, we have committed to the Be Bold as well. And so we believe in the tithe. And so we've been tithing 10% to the church, but we decided through prayer that we are gonna double our tithe and 10% goes to Be Bold and another 10 goes towards the church because we believe in this. And I wouldn't ask you to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. Now, it doesn't have to be that. It has to be whatever God puts on your heart because here's what, 
Paul tells us is that we should not give reluctant, we should not give out of compulsion and we should not be forced to give, but everyone should give cheerfully and generously as God has led them to give. And so I believe that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you can make that decision for yourself and I trust you to obey God. Number four, I would say, is to be bold with your invites. As you can see, the room's looking pretty full today, but there's still a few empty seats, and that means that there's still more people to reach. And so text your friends, invite your friends. You never know what one invitation could do in the life of another person. So this week, challenge you to text three friends, send a message to somebody, use your invite card, maybe a person at work, and reach out and invite that person to church. And then lastly is that we be bold together as a church because you plus me, we equal the church. Joshua couldn't do it without his men and we can't do it without you. Strength plus courage equals boldness. You plus me equals the church and together we are better. And so redemption, it's time for us to be bold.